Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hello there, folks. I hope you were having a great Saturday night or as great as possible of a Saturday night. And in some ways, you know, there are moments where I feel like we all are making the best of this and the most of this. You are getting some more quality time with your loved ones or your roommates or your family. I can tell you that. And that's been kind of nice. Uh, More family dinners. There are no activities to go to. I like that part of it. Uh, But there are so many other things that are obviously so incredibly disrupted. I do want to let you know that uh, for WCCO-TV Sunday morning, 6 a.m., 10.30 a.m., Mike Augustinak and I will be on the air with you. We'll have all the latest. Mike actually will be doing weather from his living room, and he did it for the first time last weekend. And he just looked so relaxed and so cool in his living room. I was like... Y'all should even pay him for that. He is not well, working hard at all. Girl. Right. Well, he's, he's got a really nice, you know, little townhouse in downtown Minneapolis, and I was like, I was like, Mike, you look a little too a little comfortable. Too yes, um, yes. But at ten thirty, we have a lot uh, going on here. We are going to be talking with Senator Amy Klobuchar, whose husband just recovered or is recovering from the coronavirus. Uh, he was actually hospitalized. His name is John Bessler. He's a professor. Nice, very, very nice man. Uh, and thankfully, he is doing much better. We're going to talk to her about the federal response. Uh, also, we're going to talk with uh, a nurse who's on a COVID-19 unit uh, in St. Paul. And we're also going to talk with Mike Lindell, the CEO of MyPillow, who has converted his factory into making masks. So a lot of people uh, changing things around and changing things up and, and trying to do what they can to get through this time and to help others. Uh, but right now, we're turning to a, a friend of the show, uh, the wonderful uh, Joe Tamburino, criminal defense attorney, uh, is joining us right now. Hey, Joe, how are you? Good. How are you? I am doing well. Let me ask you, how are you and your family doing? Oh, very good. You know, we were in Italy, but it's over a month ago now. Everybody's fine. There's never been a problem. So we're all doing fine. Thank you. Well, but, but Joe, you actually left Italy really just before this thing exploded over there. Yes, exactly. We got home on March 2nd, and it was about a few days before that. It was pretty hot and heavy in northern Italy, but it didn't reach Florence and Siena yet. And then we left on March 2nd, and about the next week, then it started getting some cases in that Tuscany area in Florence and Siena. But uh, still, for the most part, it's concentrated in northern Italy. Right, and and it's obviously just just devastating there. Now, what are you? You live in downtown um, Minneapolis, and you're the president also of the downtown. Was it the Downtown Neighborhood Association or? 
Yeah, I was president. I live in downtown. I was president of the DMNA for three years. Now I'm a board member. After three years, I didn't run for re-election. I thought three years is good enough as chair, but I'm still active in the DMNA. Correct. Okay. I, and I think, I don't know if it's that neighborhood association that's going to try and do something on, on, on balconies or porches to, to support uh, health care personnel. That, no, we haven't uh, heard it. We we haven't had a meeting. Our last meeting was canceled, obviously, because of the whole. COVID. Well, maybe that that might be and, the more the North yeah. Loop. Yes, I the, think so. the North Loop mm-hmm. folks are actually going to try and do something to to celebrate healthcare workers out in their balconies, as we've seen in, in images from Italy, where of course you know there are these narrow streets and you know, these wonderful old buildings, and people are in these smaller apartments, and people are cheering the medical workers as they go to work. It would be harder to do that because. And our, our streets are so much bigger. But anyway, that was kind of a cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you, what are your thoughts here on this stay-at-home order from Governor Tim Walz? What should, what, what should we know about that? Sure. A few things. First, the governor has clear authority to do that. An executive order means that the chief executive of the state, the governor, in times of emergency, is allowed to make an order that has the full force of law. Normally, laws are a bill passed in the legislature, then signed into law by the governor. This is when a governor says directly, here's the new law. And he does that with the approval of his executive council, which has five people, the governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, state auditor, and attorney general. And then he has these powers on 30-day increments. The legislature could stop him at any time, but in something like this, they're not going to do it. So Governor Walls, he did the right thing. He had to do this with the two-week stay-at-home. Right. Well, actually, some legislators are are objecting to it, but but they are agreeing with you that uh, the the Senate Majority Leader, Senator Paul Kozelka, raised serious concerns with the stay-at-home order earlier this week, disagreeing with it. He's in a part of the state where they have fewer cases, although it is growing. Um, our, our number 441, I believe, today. Uh, right. So we are growing dramatically, and I can get the figures from just last week. Um, we are growing dramatically. Granted, we are much better off than Wisconsin, which has a similar yes. population and yet has doubled the cases. Uh, in terms of um, other things that the state is doing, one of the things that the governor talked about, but I haven't seen specifics on is he talked about uh, turning arenas into makeshift hospitals. How does that I mean, how can that happen? It can happen because under our laws, and I think it's specifically Chapter 12 of, uh, of the statutes, after a governor has declared an emergency and after, you know, he has been empowered to do this by the executive council, he could create all different things. He could order the performance of different types of public works. He could enter into contracts. He could employ temporary workers. He could suspend or or basically do a fast track on things with the Civil Service Act. It's an amazing amount of power that the governor has. Under under this this peacetime emergency. That is correct. And for instance, you know, with the two-week stay at home, Um, I I hope the two-week stay-at-home doesn't continue longer, but the governor could do different things with that. He could say, well, instead of everyone staying home or most people for two weeks, we're now going to concentrate on the very, uh, you know, the the elderly, the immunocompromised, the people who have underlying medical conditions, have them stay home, and then have the younger workers, the people who are less susceptible, go to work. He could do that if he wanted to, and there's already been some talk throughout the nation 
about maybe wanting to have that as the next step, because obviously we can't be in lockdown for the next month or two because the economy will grind to a halt. Well, I, it's I, I, so I certainly hope so, but it, it's not clear. And it was interesting because we had on our first guest was uh, a professor at McAllister who has family in China. And he was talking to us about what China was like, because it's he said it's about 80 percent right now. But the factories are back. People are working again. Schools are open. Restaurants are open, although they're seating you know, further apart, that kind of thing, which is encouraging to hear. But when you think yeah. about that, that means another few months. Well, the few months is going to be very tough because, unfortunately, the people who are hit hardest uh, with this are non-government workers. Because if you're a government worker, you're still going to be paid. If you're an elected official, you're still going to be paid. If you're wealthy or, you know, you're higher up in a major corporation, you're still going to be paid. But if you do hair, do nails, do, you know, private carpentry, if you work at different local places like some coffee shops, if you do anything like that, your livelihood is now wiped out. And one $1,200 payment from the federal government, that's just not going to do it for these people. We have to think of things like what the Canadians are doing where they're doing $2,000 a person for four months. That's something way more in line than what actual workers need. Oh, wow. and, we're, and unemployment compensation is not going to cover everything as well. So, you know, if you're going to elongate this, there needs to be much more support for the average person out there, much more. Wow, okay. And, and, and that, that'll be something that, that we will obviously see uh, in terms of the pressure. Now, there have been some regulations put out there saying um, – that there can't be evictions now. How does that work? Again, what they could do is with the governor's power, he could say, here's what's going to happen tomorrow. We're not going to allow people to be evicted. And well, they, they've done be that. Inter- yeah, that's right. We could do something else. I mean, the governor could even say, we're going to forestall on collecting any money for taxes, for payments for water bills, for electrical bills. He could do all of that. And even stronger than that, the president, like what we see in parts of Europe, like in Italy, the president could even say, we're going to suspend mortgage payments and rent payments. Now, you could work something like that out. You could have the payments on the back end or the federal government could get involved with paying them. But it's amazing the amount of power under an America could have the payments on the back end or the federal government could get involved with paying them. But it's amazing the amount of power under an emergency order that the president and a governor has. It truly is amazing. Well, I don't think I don't think he suspended mortgage payments, but it doesn't sound no. like your home could be foreclosed on and the sheriff could come and throw you out. Exactly right. You know, I mean, f- physically remove you from your home at this time, which is something that I think that 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 right. is something that is important um, in terms of, you know, getting everything back going. I mean, what is happening with the courts right now? I mean, my, my husband had a you know, a relatively minor court thing that involved, you know, his mother's estate, and it was going to be a very simple, you know, go in there, it'll all be done. And obviously that was canceled on April 1st because it's not, um, what did they say? It was not a priority case. Right, um, right. What, what do they, I mean, how are the courts functioning right now? Sure. Priority cases basically think of them in two ways. People who are in custody, and child protection type issues. Sure, for of instance, there there still might be a, there there still will be cases where all of a sudden the police come upon some children at a home or apartment or whatever. Obviously, they need immediate care. Obviously, there are child protection issues. Those types of cases have to go on. 
And then people in custody, those cases have to go on because when you're in custody, you have all different rights. You have speedy trial rights. You have right to get heard into court within, you know, 36 hours that you're arrested, a number of other things. Now, people who are not in custody, yes, those cases can be continued with good cause. And in some situations, even if you are in custody and you have a trial coming up, if the judge finds good cause, it could have a short continuance, too. So cases like your husband, yes, we're in my office, we're having cases left and right continued by the courts into late May and June. I think come the summer, there's going to be a lot of cases in court. I was going to say, I mean, that's an incredible backlog. I mean, the the state actually was looking at hiring all these extra part-time workers to take care of the vehicle services lines they're expecting. Sure. uh, Because all the people whose licenses have expired and the tabs have expired, um, that's going to be tough. Yes, because one thing that people forget in society is, you know, they think of court as just like, you know, well, Judge Judy or somebody gets arrested. And it's much more than that, because any problem that people have with each other over property, over money, over contracts, that all goes into the courts. And so when those cases are all continued, for the average person who's got a contract issue where they're out, say, $10,000, that's really important to them. They want to have their case heard expeditiously. But again, in an emergency, those cases are going to be put off for a while. And have, have they been, are, are they rescheduling cases into J- June? Yes. Some cases are getting what's called a canceled hearing, which means the hearing's just canceled, and then the court system will get back to you within the next few weeks as to the new date. Some uh, counties are just saying, okay, your case that was set for April 2nd is now June 2nd. So it really depends on the county and the type of case. But I would say at least half are getting new court dates and others are simply being canceled and awaiting a new date. Right. And, and the situation in the jails is that they've actually let uh, a number of people out early. Right. Which makes sense, what I doing think. Is, yes, they're triaging. Right. Because if you have a person who's in there for, say, some type of minor trespass, vagrancy, whatever it is, and the bail is set at $200, but... The poor guy can't come up with $2, let, let alone $200. they are releasing those people. Obviously, the people who have serious crimes, serious you know, uh, criminal history, they're still having higher bails and remaining in custody. But they have released a lot of lower-level offenders. Right, which I think, I think makes sense because you don't want this spreading in sure. the jail system. I, I think in, there's already some problems in, in one Chicago-area jail. Um, one thing well, I've got— the, what's that? Yeah, well, I'm sorry. No well, problem. no, I think that, that in Chicago, that there's a problem in, in, what, in their main jail where it's spread pretty definitively. And, and so right. that, that would be a nightmare because obviously you've got people just living very, in very close quarters. Well, that's just it, because one of the most fluid buildings in the whole state of Minnesota is the Hennepin County Jail, because not everybody there is there for, say, six months. You have people being booked in and released all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And so I think, you know, the sheriff is doing a good job with managing the jail right now, but it's precarious because if that, you know, virus gets in there, it's going to spread. And don't, you know, we're also not even considering what about the people under the governor's order who violate the order and are simply hanging around wherever at midnight and partying or something like that. Well, you know, the mayor made it clear they're going to be enforcing that. So if they enforce it, that's a misdemeanor. Those people could be arrested, too. Now they could be booked into a jail. 
So, it, you know, it, it could become problematic. Right. Well, let, let's talk about that, because Mayor Jacob Fry was very specific, saying that he planned to enforce this if there are groups of people hanging out. Um, you know, Shaletta was talking about her, her little boys, 13 years old, who said, oh, I'm going to go outside and play basketball by myself, Mom. And she looks out the window and there's suddenly a group of guy, little guys, you know, playing basketball, which you have to think is something that obviously is going to happen. I mean, that's a normal thing for a kid to want to do. How, how do they do this? And it is important that it be enforced. But, you know, you're not going to write Shaletta's son a ticket. Right. Well, here's what's happening. What they're doing first is an educational piece. First, it seems what uh, what the chief has stated is he's going to go out and educate those people or the police officers on the street that you can't be doing this. Then, obviously, they could go to the next level, which is give you a ticket. I mean, they could saying, OK, now you got a misdemeanor ticket. And then, obviously, the police have the power to say, OK, this is the third, fourth, whatever time you're still not listening. Now you're going to be arrested. So they have varying degrees of their enforcement. But I think the idea of going out there first and simply educating people, saying, look, you're, you're going to get another chance here, but don't do this again because we have to enforce the governor's order. I think that's the proper approach. Right. And and in terms of you know the warning that Mayor Fry sent out, I mean, do you think people will heed that? I mean, I, I think he clearly it was pretty clear that if there are problems, people will get arrested. Yes, I think most people will. I mean, I live right downtown. I walk to go to Target for groceries. I walk to Walgreens to, to, you know, to the pharmacy. And those are all places that you're allowed to go to. And you do see less people. Now, I don't know what, say, Hennepin and Fifth Street would look like at midnight tonight. I, I don't know. I would say that in those areas are where the police are going to concentrate because sometimes those have had problems before. But generally downtown, there are less people out in the evening. During the day, people are walking around, going to the Stone Arch Bridge because you're allowed to exercise and go on walks. But right now, I'm looking at the city streets, and there's not many people out there. Right. Well, it's not, and it's also not um, it's not that nice a night out no, as well. It's not so, nice out tonight. That's right. That doesn't yeah, help. Not nice out tonight. Um, but that's yeah. It, it, it's it's incredible to think of just the spillover effect uh, on on so many people's lives. Uh, you know, just in terms of, I mean, you're going to have a very busy summer. Oh, a very busy summer. And the other thing that's really interesting, because you, like when you were saying it's amazing to think about what's happening is, you know, I mean, in all likelihood, this something like this is going to happen again, who knows, in the next few years. This is something that society and government just has to start getting prepared for. We went through the swine flu. We went through H1N1. And now we have COVID-19, you know, in, in but, and none of those, we could have something else. Yeah, but the other, those other ones, and you're absolutely right, were serious and there were warnings and suggestions that that could get as bad as this. But I think people's heads are spinning over this one. They are, because this is the first time. I mean, even with such horrific times like 9-11, within days, things were working again. I mean, obviously not in lower Manhattan and obviously with all of the victims, of course. But, you know, here in Minneapolis, people were back at work and society was functioning. But something like this just really grinds it to almost a standstill. Right. In, in, in every aspect of our lives. Well, listen, Joe right. Tamborino, I'm glad you and your family are well. Thank you so much for Thank you. joining me tonight. And, and you be safe and be healthy. 
You too. Thank you very much for having me on. Absolutely. Joe Tamburino, criminal defense attorney. Great to hear from him. Interesting that all these cases are being put off until the summer. Some attorneys who are planning to probably go on vacation like Joe aren't going to be able to do that. Uh, They're going to have to just uh, take that time sitting in place here. All right, folks, uh, we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to Saturday Night with Esme. Coming up in our next half hour, we're going to be talking with the executive director of the Minnesota Licensed Beverage Association about cocktails to go. Yes, that's a possibility. Keep it here. News Talk 830 WCCO. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 